Welcome to Pediatric Meltdown, the podcast about children's mental health and emotional well-being. I'm Dr. Leah Gugino, a primary care pediatrician, and I created this podcast for the pediatric medical community and anyone who cares about children's behavioral health. Pediatric Meltdown offers thoughtful conversations featuring experts from the field. Learn practical strategies from the best and become a savvier clinician. Hey listeners, welcome back to another episode of Pediatric Meltdown. Today's episode is really fun as we kick off December, the month of holidays of all kinds and the ushering in of winter. So we can all hunker down and think about what's most important to us. So this podcast really is focusing on moms, working moms, and particularly pediatric working moms. So my guest today is Dr. Whitney Caceres. Dr. Caceres is a private practice pediatrician and American Academy of Pediatrics author and a mom to two young girls in Portland, Oregon. She says that her kids are her best teachers, but that she also went to school for forever. After completing her undergraduate degree in journalism, she completed her medical school training at the University of Vermont and pediatric residency training at Stanford University. She also holds a Master's of Public Health in Maternal and Child Health from the University of California, Berkeley. Whitney says that after her daughters were born, she got lost in their needs and left hers fall to the wayside. When she went back to work postpartum, life got even more complicated as she layered on more responsibilities and added more to-dos. I think we can all relate to that. She had to dive deep to redefine what it means to be a successful mom. By flipping the switch and investing in her own social and emotional health, she stopped just surviving motherhood and started thriving. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Whitney Caceres. Hey, Whitney, how are you? I'm so good. Thank you for having me today. I am so delighted to have a, a fellow podcaster. You are a busy woman. I don't know how you are, quote, doing it all. Um, so we can talk about that a little bit. But you're a, a blogger, a podcaster, an author, a pediatrician. How are you doing then? How'd you get to this? My goodness. Yeah, let me tell you my story first. And then I will tell you my my inner secrets to how I appear that I'm doing it all without actually doing things that drain me. So I have always loved writing and speaking and performing. And even when I went into medicine, into medical school, I had this vision that I would be doing something that was a little bit beyond just day-to-day patient care. I really have always had a vision for reaching a larger audience and in trying to reach people exactly where they are in the vernacular that they use in a way that's approachable. And I've also been someone who's really invested and has cared about whole person health and whole systems health. I have a public health degree from Berkeley in maternal and child health. I, even in medical school, did programs that were for teen parents and their babies and how to help the teen parents do well in order to help the kids do well. And so I've always had this lens of wanting to have things be a little bit bigger in terms of my career and and more expansive. So I graduated from medical school. I 
did a public health degree at the very end of medical school. And then in residency, really started thinking about, okay, is there some way that I could do programs that were in person for moms and their kids? Is there some way that like boots to the ground, I could be informing people? And then like, thank goodness for the age of the internet and the World Wide web and social media. Because once I started getting into my actual pediatrics practice, I've been in practice for 11 years, I realized, oh, well, the moms, they are actually on the gram. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. That's where they are. And there's no reason for experts to shy away from being there too, in a way that is responsible. And of course that we don't give medical advice there that's specific to patients, but that gosh, actually it would behoove us to not let it be just overrun by all these people who have no idea what they're talking about, getting, giving information, giving resources, giving advice to families. And so I started Modern Mommy Doc. It was a blog based off of questions that I would get in the office with my parents, parents of the babies and kids that I saw, that I felt like if I had an hour to really dive into this, this is what I would say. And also if I had the freedom to really say exactly what I wanted to tell people without it being personal to patients, without me saying, you know, this is what you really need to be thinking of. Listen up, thinking of, listen up, mama, this is what you need to do. But somehow writing that to a larger audience made it so that it wasn't aggressive or attacking or seeming personal or an affront to people. So then I started actually printing out my blog articles and giving them to families and saying, actually, I have a handout on that. Here are my top five instructions for screen time or for taking care of diaper rashes or for sleep with babies or whatnot. And I found that the families actually responded equally well to that as to what I was telling them in the office. And so we built Modern Mommy Doc up and then we really started forming it and making it into this place specifically for working moms, because that is really the population that I tend to serve the most and who ends up attracted to me in terms of my patient panel. And not to alienate anyone who's not in that category, but it's just, I think, my kind of special gift of the people that I'm supposed to be reaching. And so now our programs at Modern Mommy Doc and our Modern Mamas Club that we have at Modern Mommy Doc is really about how do we help modern working moms kill it at work, kill it with their kids, be amazing moms, but then also have a sense of self and really pour into and invest in their own selves as a way to then have this ripple effect onto everything else in their lives. So, you know, I know from a public health perspective that when parents are doing well, when they're mentally well, when they have physical health, when they're emotionally have their needs met, that their kids are more likely to as well. And I know that from my own personal experience as well with my family. So that's how it all started. That is so cool and so exciting. And I mean, I think about doing this podcast, my goal and my audience, I was hoping that I could bring this to primarily pediatricians, but really anybody that cares about children's mental health, because that's sort of my passion and where I got a lot of patient questions and also feeling like I didn't get as much training in mental health. And it's a big part of our practice. And so I wanted to bring voices of all those people that have helped me. And and then there's even more voices that I didn't know were out there. And so to bring it to other people and podcasts are an interesting way to do that. So 
I, I know you were talking about working moms and I just kind of wanted to bring it home a little bit to like working pediatrician moms because that's hard. That's a struggle. There are different kinds of demands. I'm not saying that any other career is less significant, but since we're both pediatricians, you know, what, what's that like? It, I mean, it's, it's hard to be a doctor. It's hard to be a parent. And how do you do both of those? So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I actually think um, that pediatrician moms, it's not that we have it worse than many other people, of course, in third world countries that are struggling or people with significant ACEs, you know, with absolutely no resources or history of trauma or anything like that. But I do think from an identity standpoint that we're in a real pickle. I know that with my kids, my oldest daughter has a severe anxiety disorder. She has a sensory processing disorder. It, at one point, we thought that she had autism. We really went down that path of evaluation. She's just a, a special soul. And so there were so many times that the advice that I was giving to other parents was advice that was actually very, very difficult for me to take myself or that the advice that I was giving to other parents felt like it was easy for them to take it that they had like i was i was in the trenches like down there with my kid trying to do all of this hard work and that they were kind of on the surface just like oh yeah it's all easy i would ask how are the tantrums going and they go oh, not really not really too bad you know and so there's a lot of shame i think that can come for pediatrician moms and dads but i think especially moms we have this pressure on ourselves to actually be perfect parents ourselves. We also are giving a ton of advice in pediatrics around overall wellness, about preventative health, about, of course, you know, making sure kids brush their teeth and that they're getting exercise and adequate sleep and adequate nutrition. And I found for myself that I was really stressed constantly that sometimes I didn't make room in my own life for taking care of myself, for eating well, for sleeping well. And in part, that's about our training that we get as doctors, as pediatricians to kind of push really hard. And it's easier to give that advice to other people than it is to take it for ourselves. So I think there's a couple of things. I think there's that shame that comes from trying to be a good parent yourself of having kind of all eyes on you and people saying, well, what'd you do with your kid? <laughs> you having to be like, well, my kid actually ate, you know, sweet tarts for breakfast yesterday. And then also that identity struggle of how do I tell other people they're supposed to take care of themselves, but I'm not taking care of myself very well at all. And then this feeling of, you know, I should be able to hold it all together. I am a smart person. I have endured you know, residency call nights. I have, I sit there and problem solve for other families when I can't do it myself in terms of my life organization systems and how to make sure I get the laundry done and the dishes done and the school paperwork done and my patient's notes done and still be present somehow and focused and attentive to my kids. Gosh, I feel like a failure when I'm not able to do that because it really feels like I should be able to have it all together. I can so relate to that. And you and I are on different ends of the the age group in terms of pediatricians. But man, everything you said, and I've talked about this a lot on the podcast about postpartum depression and how hard it was for me. And I thought, you know, I'm a pediatrician. I'm supposed to know how to do this stuff. And I just feel like a bad mom. And, you know, it didn't prepare me to be a mom. I had to do that mm -hmm. on my own. So, and and you were talking about the training 
you know, for me, and I'm guessing that there's a lot of overlap with you, you know, training is like in the trenches. And, you know, we were taught to value the harder it was, the better doctor you were, the less sleep you got, the more patients you saw, the harder the patient was. And I'm wondering if, you know, the today's early career physicians and trainees are like, yeah, we're not going to be martyrs anymore because that was really kind of the martyr. You know, again, I give it all up to my craft. I give it all up to my patients. Yeah, there's some for kids, but man, I'm not getting any of it because that is selfish, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, I think for sure that there is this philosophy within medicine and also it trickles down to pediatrics. We're always, you know, the kind fuzzy doctors, but I, but it still is entrenched in our minds that the harder you work, that makes you more valuable. And honestly, I think it actually self-sabotages us when it comes to our individual lives as well, because it's almost like, well, the more stress you have, the more you've piled on, the more complicated that you've made it, well, then in some way, you're the most successful if you've done that. But I, I, I take a look at my own life and of the lives of people, uh, of other physicians and other pediatricians that have come before me and that I work with. And I see that in reality, that's not, that's not a recipe for success. I find that the other physicians that have come before me, when they are constantly stressed out and burnt out and at their edge, they actually aren't able to problem solve as deeply. Yes, they have the training that if there's an emergency, they'll be able to jump on it. That's true. I think, you know, like if you're trained to be like in combat, then that means when there's a stressor that comes really quickly, you're going to be able to like fight off the enemy. You're going to be able to catch meningitis and like kick it to the curb, you know? But I think when it comes to trying to help families on their social emotional issues that they're having on trying to problem solve for what will be a solution that will actually be sustainable for them. That actually, when we are in a place of mindfulness, when we're not as stressed, we're actually able to do that more effectively for our patients. And I also think we all know as pediatricians that you have a nice encounter with a family, you have a nice encounter with a family, and then you have a really stressful encounter with a family or a really stressful encounter with a specialist that you have to talk with. And man, when you have that feeling of anger or resentment or gosh, I just want to just leave the room. There's no way you're as effective with your families that are, you're coming in after that for your pay for, you know, for your visit. So I, I have found for myself and watching others that really that just grit and hard work and go, 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 go attitude. It serves you in the short term. It serves you in terms of emergencies, but really in terms of sustainability and you being effective with your patients in the long term, that having more space for yourself, that filling your cup up a bit more actually is the way to be more effective. Yeah, absolutely. I did an episode back in September with a child psychiatrist just on this very topic about, I think what you're talking about, physician burnout. And one of the big signs of burnout is making mistakes. And God forbid, that's the last thing we want to do. I mean, we live in fear of that. And then, of course, worrying about worst outcome, physician suicide. And, and unfortunately, we're at risk of that. And so, you know, we talk about wellness and I think, you know, we are like, oh, I'm going to get a pedicure and do some yoga. Yeah, like I have time for that. And maybe I should eat well, but I got to eat my lunch by my computer and have a yogurt and, you know, maybe a candy bar because that's way quick. And then maybe I've got a partner, a spouse, and 
you know, I'm not even attending to that. That's way low on the list, but I'm below that. So, you know, what do we talk about this work-life balance? I mean, is there such a thing? I mean, and what do we do about that? Yeah, I really don't think there is such a thing as work-life balance. I think that the goal is not for you to be juggling all the balls all of the time. I think that's just impossible. Nothing's ever in perfect alignment. Or if it is, it's only there for an instant and then it's going to have to tip. What I've really tried to work toward and to coach other professional women to work toward is to move things from kind of a yo-yo or like bulimic experience where you're leaning really far into work. And then you swing the other way and you lean really far into your home life. And then you lean really far into work. And then you're so exhausted that you just collapse. And then you just watch Netflix for two days straight, you know, or then you have to like drink a bunch or, you know, you want to eat a bunch or you get angry at your family and, you know, just like leaning from those extremes to more. And the reason I say bulimic is because it's the same as like, I'm going to eat a ton and then I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to do some purging activity to lean, to, to move from that, from this pendulum like life to more of we're closer to a center and that we know ourselves and that we trust ourselves and that we're able to make good decisions for ourselves and that we're taking care of ourselves in small ways consistently. And I'll get into what that means for me. And then that we're moving slightly out of our center toward our kids, slightly out of our center toward our work, slightly out of our center toward other people and obligations, but that we're not on this wide swinging pendulum. Instead, that we're taking little inch movements in all directions. And in terms of taking care, yeah. I was just going to say, I like that. It feels like a sort of like centered yoga, like I'm in the, the, I'm breathing and then, you know, I move to a different position for a minute, then I come back to center. Yeah. I like that. I like that kind of framework that you're talking about the pendulum. I'm often thinking the pendulum stays stuck in the work mode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that's an issue too. I, I, the other way that I liken it, which I think pediatricians get is, you know, we talk about kids flipping their lid right? And that when they get really upset in the whole brain child, Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson talk about this in their book, right? We have our amygdala, we have our executive functioning, and that when kids get really upset, especially toddlers, that then they just flip their lids and that they are all emotion and no logical thinking. And that we want them to have some emotional thinking and some logic that is driving their decision making, right? We don't want them to just throw away their emotions, not care about that at all. It's kind of old school, but we also don't want them to just be in their emotions. And so that our job as parents and as pediatricians is to guide parents to do this, is to help them just burp their lid a little bit, let out some of that emotion, but still be in regulation and have both their emotions and their logic working for them. And that's what I think about for working moms as well, and especially pediatrician moms, is I want you to like kind of Instead of being like, okay, I'm going to be all logic, I'm going to be all work, I'm going to be all what do I need to do all the time. If we do that, eventually we build up resentment underneath all of that logic and all that hard work. And then boom, we flip our lids, right? And all we have left is emotions and, you know, our anxiety and our depression and all of our angst and resentment and all that. And so instead, I want moms to be thinking about how can I kind of burp that lid constantly, which that's self-care. To me, that's okay. I take five minutes every single day just to be quiet with myself. 
to put on a meditation. There's one called Mindful Mamas app that I really love. That's a five minute guided meditation and they have different emotions or different kids' ages or different things that you might be worried about or different seasons of the year. Just to kind of be quiet with myself. I That's burping the lid. Three times a week, I make sure that I'm exercising and that it's not about like I'm training for a marathon or trying to be in a size two jeans, especially because that's never going to happen for me. But, but that instead I'm doing something that I love. That's like a guilty pleasure kind of exercise that brings me joy. I am a huge fan. I'm, I'm almost 40 and be 40 in uh, October. And so I'm a child of like the nineties in terms of my music. So I love like Britney Spears and Beyonce and Justin Bieber and all those people. So I love to just put in those tunes, make it loud, close my eyes and be on the exercise bike, just like jamming to that, right? That allows us to have those experiences over the course of a week where, okay, I'm enjoying myself. I take away other things in my life that stress me out. I I have a system, which you talk about at Modern Mama's, Modern, Modern, Modern Mommy Talk. We have a, I have a system for organizing all the stuff that kind of has to get done, but isn't in my main priority box, the things that don't matter the most to me. So I have a system for dealing with laundry. I have a system for dealing with dishes. I have a system for dealing with ordering clothes for my kids for school. So that all of those things have less influence and pressure on my life. And instead, the things that I really care about, which includes work, for sure. I love my work, right? That's not a bad thing. Includes my work, includes my kids, that those are taking up more space in my life. So then I don't get to that spot where I'm just completely flip my lid and losing it. Oh, I, I love that imagery. And I wish for listeners, they could see her demonstrating the <laughs> flip your lid um, and burping. I love that. I Honestly, that's why I picked the topic or the name for the podcast of Pediatric Meltdown, because we always talk about meltdowns and what that looks like. And so my logo being the melting ice cream cone. Notice though, the top circle of ice cream hasn't completely fallen off. So my goal is to keep the keep the ice cream cone intact and there's a few drips, right? So this is great. I love the practicality and certainly I will, you know, make sure we have links to your your podcast and also your work about what that actually looks like. It's interesting, um, Bessel van der Kolk, and I've referenced this in the past, who does a lot of work with trauma when when COVID started back in 2020, um, last year, he was talking about ways to deal with stress and trauma. And it was very much those things you're talking about. The top was sleep and then was movement, nutrition. He talked about play, family, social, and um, spiritual and sort of these seven domains of things that, that you need to kind of attend to, not necessarily all at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. So, but, but, you know, taking that five minutes, another um, app I like is Insight Timer, which you can look up like, what kind of meditation do I need today? Do I need to center? Do I, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So I think that those are really nice, you know, practical strategies about how to do that. So you've talked a little bit about some of the resources on your, on your site. Can you talk a little bit about what those are and what would people find if they tuned into your podcast or looked at your website? Yeah, um, I'll tell you kind of what the options are basically for consuming our content. And then I also want to just give listeners a, a framework of kind of how I practically organize this because nothing's worse than listening to a podcast episode and going, cool, I should take care of myself. <laughs> how do I do it? 
So um, in terms of resources on our site, we have a podcast. You can listen to it on iTunes or wherever podcasts are listened to. And you can also go to modernmommydoc/podcast and listen there. We bring on guests that talk about issues related to working moms. But then I also go in and deep dive on all the topics that are most important to me in terms of our kind of signature content that we have there. So that's an easy way if you are a listener and you're driving to and from to listen to 15 minutes of content and get a bunch of information. We also have a blog and a newsletter, so you can sign up and we do articles. We try to be really thought-provoking every week and challenging moms to be supportive, but also challenging about, okay, when you're 80 years old and you're looking back on your life, how happy are you going to be with it? You cannot control all the chaos and stress that happens in life. Of course, you know, with COVID, my gosh, that was, has never been truer, right? But we can control how we respond to it and we can show up how we can control how we show up for our own lives. So it talks about those things that we can control and also some factors outside of our control, including, you know, gender discrimination in terms of, you know, racial bias, all of those things. And then we also have the Modern Mamas Club, which is a subscription. And if anyone is a physician and wants to reach out to me via our website at info at Modern Mommy Doc, I'm happy to send you um, a link for um, a free subscription to that because I think that physician moms especially really, really need it. It has an on-demand video library and it includes a self-care retreat that's on-demand with videos, including exercises. It has like physical exercises. We have a dietitian that's on there. And then we also have some meditations that are on there. We have navigating kids' emotions. So we have an entire program that's based off of how to deal with kids' emotions and recognize kind of where they come from and what to do about them. We have an entire program that's about parenting and partnership. So parenting with another partner in your home, if that's a male, female, whoever that is in your home. And then we also have our conflicted to centered program, which is kind of our signature stuff, which I'll tell you about now. So, oh, and a forum, and we do live events there as well with experts. We have people that come on. So a lot going on at Modern Mommy Doc. You can just check it out there. So, The framework that I like to use in my own life and that I teach about at Modern Mommy Doc is this idea, like we were saying, of you have to have a center, you have to know what's most important to you. And that for most people, there's about five top priorities that they want to define their life. And that's kind of the center circle. And then outside that circle, but kind of inside the box of life are all the other things that have to be attended to, but shouldn't take the vast majority of your time, energy, or attention. And I divide those up into four categories. And it's not, none of it is rocket science. At the top are the non-negotiables for physician moms that are listening, pediatrician moms. That is like our patient notes right? That is emails to patients. That is at home uh, laundry. That is dishes. And really the way that you address all those non-negotiables is either selective mediocrity saying, what are the things that I, that I can do to get this done, but to do it in basically a mediocre way, a way that's going to get the task completed, but not be with perfectionism, right? And actually I think Notes are a really great way to look at this. How can we want the information to be legally, medically accurate? 
accurate. But I think a lot of times if you're verbose like me, like writing in all this flowery language. (laughs) So how can I make it so that I get it done? But it's like, just the facts, ma'am. You know what I mean? It doesn't Keep it tight. Keep it tight. Keep it tight. Don't have all this extra stuff. Another thing is dot phrases. In my work, we have, okay, dot URI. So if someone has an upper respiratory infection, I don't spend, you know, 20 minutes writing out the exact same instructions over and over and over again. But dot URI, it gives the basic instructions. And then I can go in and change things and make it so that it's specific to that patient. So that's a good work example. The other is in attending to work emails. I only answer work emails from my patients in the morning before I start clinic. I have a 15 minute window where I do that. And then if there's still stuff to be done, I have another 15 minute window at lunch that I do emails and then another 15 minutes at the end of the day. So I really break it up so that it's very discreet packets of time that I'm spending. Same thing at home um, with laundry. There's ways to make it so that basically you do it all in one fell swoop as opposed to making it so that it's constantly throughout your day, especially for these tasks that are kind of ongoing. In the bottom right corner are the swappables. This is where I really encourage parents and especially moms to be thinking about how can I get either another partner on board with me. If you have a partner living in your home with you, if you parent with a co-parent or your kids, if they're old enough, them taking on some responsibilities in your house or another person that could be helping you out. We have invested this year significantly in a nanny, which I always want to be careful. I know not everybody has the same resources, but And so I I think the entire framework is something that's open to all people of all backgrounds, of all socioeconomic statuses, but we all have money that we place in different pockets. And so I found that I was putting a lot of money toward like subscription TV services, toward more food, toward going out, toward like all these things. And I found when I reallocated that money toward having a caregiver that was helping me in my home. But then I found that I didn't need to actually spend as much money on all those things because I wasn't feeling like stressed and like I needed desperately to have more clothes or to go out or do all these things. And so it, it invested and actually served the need that I had in my family for consistency and for someone who was relieving stress for me. And so then I spent less money on other things and actually had more time and attention for my kids. So that's the swappables. And then left lower side is the contaminators. And this is free for everyone. This is learning to set boundaries and saying no to the fifth committee that your boss asked you to be on, <laughs> especially the uh, you know birthday cake ordering committee at work. This is Say, making a line and saying, no, I'm, I'm not going to sign my kid up for three sports this season. It might, it's fine to just have one. It's about not overscheduling yourself. So deciding what are the things I need to say no to so I can say yes to that centered circle. And then at the top, upper left is setting boundaries. It's the, the heartstrings. So that's figuring out, okay, for those those events, those things that you really want to spend time on, but when it's in the wrong moment, kind of takes up too much time and energy, figuring out a time and a place that really works for you and your family. The best example I can think of here is grandparents, like my in-laws, right? Where we have figured out, okay, what we need to do when we get together for my really sensitive kiddo is have more of a neutral ground where we meet up 
and we're not at our house. We're not at their house. It's at like a really cheap beach house. And we're there for a limited amount of time. And it's not when I'm on call and have to be, you know, here and there and everywhere. They were really thoughtful about setting boundaries around what will work for us and around our family. So that's how the framework works. Then you're at the center of the circle. I love this idea about, I mean, really you're talking about prioritizing what matters to you. And it's interesting. I just did a podcast recording about working with families on social determinants of health and that kind of thing. And one of the things that they were really talking about was the strengths-based model and finding out what's important to you, what's important to your family. And so it's going to look different for everybody. But, and I clearly agree with you about saying no. I mean, I think we want to be all the things to everyone and, and that's just not doable. So, and you're also talking about finding some hacks you know, what can you do to make things easier, swappables? I am so grateful and fortunate that my husband does all the laundry because if it was me, it would stay in the washing machine because I would forget to swap it out. So, you know, I'm grateful that he is an awesome partner and and we swap out a lot of things. And I mean, honestly, it's made a huge difference for my life. I mean, I couldn't do what I'm doing, like sitting in this closet podcasting, were it not for for him. And, and I, I like that a lot. So this podcast is going to air in December, and, and even though we're recording in the fall. So I wanted to ask you about a happiness hack. I love Gretchen Rubin, The Happiness Product project. I love her podcast. It's it's fun. It's light. It's not super heavy. She does it with her sister and I just get joy in listening to it for half an hour. And they always talk about a happiness hack. So if you were going to give us a Christmas time holiday, it can be whatever holiday it is, Hanukkah or whatever holiday you celebrate. If you could give us a holiday hack, what would it be? Oh my goodness. Okay. I would have two. One would be to Think about buying your family or your kids' experiences uh, versus stuff as one of your main gifts. Like, think about it's a trip to the beach. Think about it's you all going to see the Nutcracker. <laughs> think about it's you going to the zoo lights if they have that in your town, that type of thing. The other is, I would think about what's one thing that you and by yourself or you with your partner or you with your kids could do that's about the holidays, that's about pure joy. That's not about, I got to get the list done. I got to buy the gifts. I got to, I got to do all that. For example, last year it was COVID. We couldn't do all of our normal things with COVID for the holidays. But what we did is we took one night and we just drove around the neighborhood. It wasn't too late. So we weren't keeping any babies up, I don't think. But we drove around the neighborhood and we had our windows rolled down and we we were watching the Christmas lights and we just put on our Christmas music on full blast. And we were like paralleling through the streets basically in our car, just driving around. And now that's a tradition that our kids want to do. They're more excited about that than they are about what they're going to get under the tree, which I mean, of course they're excited about that. But that is a free activity that we did that now I will remember fondly as my kids are grown and that will bring so much happiness to them this year and to us too. I love that. And I I just note to the listeners, I didn't really give her a prompt, so she didn't know I was going to ask her that question. (laughs) So I appreciate that. I was thinking about something we did, you know, because you know, last year we couldn't get together and I love having parties. It's like what brings me joy. I love everything about parties, invitations, favors, the whole thing. 
And so we had in the past hosted a pajama day, New Year's Day party where my friends would come over in their PJs and we'd have breakfast food. Well, we couldn't do that this year. So we had a virtual PJ party and I dropped off little goodie bags that had, you know, like a party hat and some pancake mix. And and we got on and we did like five questions each. And it was so much fun. And so I don't know, I'm honestly, I really don't want to have to do Zoom parties again. But it was a thing that made it possible for us to be with other people far away. So for family, and, and we did something like that on Christmas Eve, you know, being with the people we love that we couldn't be with. And, and, and you're right, it, that was really, that was really fun. And it wasn't the present under the tree. That was the most, you know, honestly, if you think back, like, what was the best present I ever got? You're like, huh. you know, oftentimes you're right. It's the those memories that you have of doing something special. So how nice for your kids that you did that. <laughs> well, in a couple of years, they'll probably be embarrassed by it and they won't want to do it with us. But so I'm going to capture on it now while they Oh, that's even better. <laughs> that's even better. My kids love to think back on that. God, mom, you made us do that, you know, that what they hate the most and what I insist on is like, tell me what you're grateful for. And they're like, oh, mom, do we have to do that? We have a tradition in our family. It's a Polish tradition that I'm not Polish, but my husband is where you have this wafer and you go around and you break off a piece and you say what you're grateful for about the other person. And then they do the same. And so you're basically wishing. And and it always feels a little awkward, but honestly, I just think it's nice to think of you know, what am I grateful for about you? So I'm grateful about you, for you that you spent this time because I love your your hacks and I love your kind of ways of thinking. So I hope people will check, check out your site. Well, the last in closing, if you could go back and you're, you don't have to go back as far as me, but if you could go back and tell your resident med student something, advice, what would you say? You know, I think I would say you are enough. I mean, I think I would say you already are enough. Yes, you're going to keep on learning. Yes, you're going to keep on being more confident, but you already have that thing inside of you that's going to connect with other families, that that your ability to take care of yourself so that you can just listen when someone tells you something really deep in their heart that's like like they only tell their doctor that 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 is the most special part of being a physician of being a pediatrician is the fact that people trust us with that confidence of this is on my heart and I have been waiting to tell someone who could potentially help me and that like I would go back and say Whitney you don't have to stay up all night and work so hard and do all those things to be able to be that for someone just the fact that you're here in the room listening is enough. And so do what you need to do so that you can get to that place more often with families. I love that. It's not about, I need to be smarter. I mean, I think we're, we're smart. We couldn't get to be doctors if we weren't, but I don't have to be like the smartest person in the world. But I think that that being with people, the more I talk to parents and patients, I mean, what they want is for us to sit down and listen, even if it's for a few minutes. It seems like a long time, you know, I don't have my hand on the door. I'm sitting down, not standing, I'm sitting down and I'm hearing what you have to say and that trust. And I'm not in my head thinking about my grocery list, right? <laughs> I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm here with you. And I think that's beautiful. Thank you so much. And thank you for being with me today. I appreciate it. It's been fun and I'm happy our paths crossed. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. 
Take care. Thank you so much to Dr. Caceres. I really appreciate her enthusiasm, energy, and compassion for working moms. So here are today's takeaways. Number one, working moms have to tackle the be everything to everyone mantra. And for pediatrician mamas, Whitney describes the real pickle. We are supposed to be great moms because we take care of kids and give parenting advice all the time. But there is often shame when the reality of not being perfect kicks in. I think I can totally relate to this statement in that I just thought if I didn't get it right, I was just a bad mom. I didn't get that I was just like every other mom. Number two, many of us trained with the philosophy that the harder you work, the more more valuable you are as a physician. The reality is that the harder we work, the less we have to give. Number three, Whitney talked about the yo-yo or pendulum of trying to find a work-life balance, as if that really exists. The idea that you have to be all in all the time and push and push until you are exhausted just isn't feasible. And it doesn't bring out our best either, right? Number four, another tactic is finding center. You are securely at the center when you are feeding your soul and then have the energy and mindset to attend to what's around you. In other words, you just can't be present if you don't feel good. Number five, we can avoid flipping the lid by burping the lid. Burping might look like five minutes of mindfulness, exercise, nutritious food, sleep, play, etc. Even saying no to some requests. I think we can all take that one to heart too. Number six, Whitney's Modern Mommy Doc site offers a podcast, blog, club, and a newsletter. Her podcast is really great. I've enjoyed listening to it. And oh yeah, there's her book, The Working Mom Blueprint, too, as if she didn't have enough on her plate. I don't know how she manages all this stuff. Number seven, here's her framework. You've got non-negotiables like laundry and patient notes. Those are just something that they have to be done but you can sometimes select selective mediocrity. And that is finding shortcuts like dot phrases and time blocking emails and some of those hacks. There are swappables, finding other partners to help meet your demands. This looks different for everyone and it really depends on what your resources are. But this basically means ask for help and recognize that it's really okay to not do it all. Then there are contaminators, and this is where you need to say no. Thank you so much. That's so exciting. I'm just not going to be able to do that today. Heartstrings. This is finding ways that work for you and your family to do those things that pull at you, like spending time with grandparents and making it work for you. And she talks a little bit about that kind of situation, so you can hear the example a little bit more clearly if you re-listen to the podcast. Number eight, here are two holiday hacks from Whitney. The first, give experiences over things. And I think as time goes on and we all accumulate more and more things, this becomes really important. You know, your kids don't remember that toy. They remember that crazy time something really funny happened or that fun trip they took to go ice skating And then the other hack was to celebrate the things that bring you joy, like a special meal, caroling, or a special tradition. 
And again, these don't have to be things that you spend money on. These are ways that you celebrate those important things, traditions, and experiences within your family. They don't have to be fancy and you don't have to spend a lot of money. They're just special because they're special to you. Number nine, I love this one so much. You are enough. What our patients want is for us to be present and to really do that well, we have to take care of ourselves. Reach out to others for support and that means your partners, your partner at home, you know, really those people that you trust And then there's this really cool national physician support line that was developed by two psychiatrists during COVID because they knew that many of us were struggling. So here's the number, 888-409-0141. And you can call for anything if you just need a listening ear. And certainly if you're having dark thoughts and struggling with suicidal ideation, please call them, please reach out. And finally, number 10. Have a happy holiday, whatever that looks like for your family. Enjoy those that you love. Surround yourself with time to really enjoy them and find ways to relish those moments of joy, whether they're at home with your family or in the office with those little ones or those teens that you enjoy. Find bright spots and ways to, you know, really practice with purpose. Take care and again, wish you happy, happy holidays. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pediatric Meltdown. In the words of Maya Angelou, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. Let's do better together. This podcast was made possible by the team at Streamlined Podcasts. Music was composed by Connor McHugh and cover art was designed by Alexia Barrero.